0: Good afternoon. You're listening to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture. I'm Darshan Johan and alongside me in the studio is Julia Jacobs and Israel Ashraf. So, for our story today, we're going to be talking about the protests that are currently happening in Myanmar because 38 people died on Wednesday, including a 19-year-old who was shot in the head in what the United Nations has called the bloodiest day of the Myanmar crisis. So, we'll be speaking to an activist from Myanmar to share her insights on the ongoing protests against the military as well as what they hope to achieve from it.
1: That's right. And if you have any thoughts or anything that you'd like to share with us about this, you can always tweet us at BFM Radio or send us a message. Just WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899.
2: So as uh, Dash mentioned just now, you know, at least uh, 38 people died uh, on Wednesday in what the United Nations has called the bloodiest day of the Myanmar crisis. And according to the UN, uh, the military junta has repeatedly defied international Condemnation against uh, the military coup. And, uh, you know, the military, however, has simply not given in.
0: Yes, to give you a refresher on what's been happening, early in February, Myanmar's military regime decided to launch a coup against the nation's democratically elected party, which is the National League for Democracy. Um, and that party is led by former Nobel Prize, uh, Peace Prize winner Aung San Suu Kyi. In a move that seemingly came out of nowhere, the military arrested Aung San Suu Kyi and other prominent members of NLD and later seized control of the government.
1: Yes, and since then, citizens of Myanmar have been fervently protesting the military dictatorship. So we've been seeing day after day, week after week, citizens, young, old, um, urban and rural, students, activists, um, journalists even, all have taken to the streets in droves in what has been an really utterly heartbreaking, Mm. but I guess, you know, somewhat inspiring sequence of events as well. Yeah. And, uh,
2: you know, international pressure has also been mounting the, uh, you know, Western world, especially countries like the US have repeatedly hit uh, the military with sanctions, Uh, you know, but it doesn't seem to uh, be working and not yet anyway. You know, in fact, it seems like the stronger the protests are both in the country and outside, uh, the military seems to only become more ruthless. And, you know, perhaps the most tragic, Tale so far uh, involves a 19-year-old protester, Angel, who was, you know, unfortunately uh, killed by a shot to the head uh, by the military, and you know, we've probably all seen uh, the images. You know, Angel, she she was a proud first-time voter last year, uh, was seen and everything will be okay t shirt at the protests. You've probably also seen her holding the, you know, Coke bottle uh, that she had, had offered to other protesters who had been tear gassed. And, uh, you know, in many ways, I think she's become another symbol of hope for the citizens of Myanmar during these very turbulent times.
1: Yes, and I think more things about her, she had actually like written her blood type on her hand, you know, mm. in case mm. she passed on. She, uh, you know, insisted that, you know, if anything were to happen to her, her organs be donated for transplants oh, wow, and everything, wow. you know. Mm. Wow, a 19-year-old, you know, thinking all of that. Um, Mm. And her death, you know, among many others, have really left, um, you know, many, including the United States, appalled and revulsed. Um, The State Department for the U.S. spokesman, Ned Price, said, uh, telling reporters, and I'm quoting here, we call on all countries to speak with one voice to condemn the brutal violence by the Burmese military against its own people.
0: That's right. So there is a lot to dive into and unpack here. So joining us on Zoom right now from Myanmar to share our insights is Tinza Yi, a Burmese pro-democracy activist and human rights defender. Welcome to the show, Tinza. The last time I spoke to an activist from Myanmar, it was the week the military took over. It was shocking and things were bad, but one always hopes that things will eventually get better but it looks like things have only gotten worse since then. So perhaps you can start by telling us what's been happening over the past couple of weeks.
3: Um, Since February 1st, um, many young people, um, almost everyone, you know, uh, get out on streets and protesting and against the military coup. Um, The point is the coup makes us even more united than before. Before we are supporting different political parties, you know, we have different opinions, but... With the coup thing, uh, we all were equally rejecting the coup because um, we clearly learning a lesson. We, we clearly know how it is, um, how it was under the military dictatorship for the past, you know, decades and decades. So uh, we equally reject that. So uh, within these three weeks, four weeks, you know, we were so um, united. We were helping each other, um, caring each other. Um, also, after a while that um, the military took and uh, brutally crackdown over the peaceful protest, then even more than that, we are more determined that we're going to be um, resisting further. Uh, we're not going back going back down. Now we lost our friends, many friends being detained. Um, at the same time, there's some improvement in terms of politics, Um the ruling party being detained, and most of them are already arrested, and some are jailed already. But um, now the uh, there we we already have a um, committee uh, representing the parliamentarians, uh, especially the ruling party, and this committee already have appointed uh, a minister, so more like a parallel government. But at the same time, this committee uh, recently denounced the military and. Their action as a terrorist organization. So, um, so officially, we have one government, which is CRPH, um, a committee representing the parliamentarians. And this committee um, already declared the Myanmar Military and State Administrative Council as a terrorist organization. So, now we are fighting against a terrorist organization. Um, many of us feeling uh, resistance become our duty, and protests become our daily thing now.
2: Right so you know Thinzar, you say, you've mentioned that uh, action has been taken this new parliamentary committee has you know declared the military a terrorist organization how is this being received on the ground
3: So uh, I can't speak for the whole organize, uh, whole population but as far we see even um the those who can't you know keep up with what we're doing who can't protest because of their survival daily de- Survival, they state support the civil disobedient movement, like in the small village track. They just donate, you know, uh, from their daily earning. It can be like 100 jets or 500 jets. They just donate it. They are so generous, and they are now, um, um, you know, gradually aware that um, CDM, the civil disobedient movement, is really important to save uh, the country. So many of uh, many of the people in Myanmar. You know, we, um, uh, despite in the rural area or in other area, they were equally supporting the National League for Democracy. Not even just the party, they are supporting a personal figure, which is um san Suu Kyi and Nobel Peace Prize winner. So now she is being detained, so that totally hurt their feelings. And it become more personal for them. When she is detained, when she was detained, and now NLD and the, their votes, you know, uh, were just, Cancel that the result of the 2020 election uh, were just canceled by the uh, military, and now things are getting clear. They are killing people on a daily basis in a random manner. All these stuff. So now, even before they were so confused if they are if they should support the military or not, now they are pretty clear, crystal clear that they should not support anymore because they are now seeing the true color of the military. So now. Uh, recently, we've been seeing more policemen defecting the military, defecting the police force. Now more police are joining the civil disobedient movement. So this is something we get out of, you know, the brutal killings and all the bad news. Um, we hope uh, many more policemen were joining the CDM and then eventually the military couldn't rule over the whole country.
1: And Tinsa, the, U, the UN has called this past Wednesday the bloodiest day of the Myanmar crisis so far. Tell us about the escalation of violence by the military over the past couple of weeks.
3: You know, on the first week or after the coup, I got a lot of um, questions that why you are not out on the street immediately, because that will happen in other countries, like in, you know, different places, when the military coup the country, then people get on the street. Like, in the morning, if they cool, then people get on the street in the evening. But it didn't happen in Myanmar. Um, so, you know, the... The protests happened only after um, four days, five days, you know, in in Yangon, in Mandalay, in big city, and then the protests escalate in a nationwide level, and millions out on streets. So why it didn't happen on the factory? So I think that's that's um, the same question, the same answer I was given uh, is. Stay relevant with why um, now we are worried and what happened right now. Because um, military has a long history of brutal killing, not just right now. They even committed genocide against the Rohingya population in not, not long ago, like 2017, everybody was aware of it, how they were eventually killing everyone, almost everyone, driving them out and all the brutal. Action against these people, not just Rohingya population, but also this is the same military who is fighting against the ethnic armed army across the whole country for so many years. They kill the um, ethnic minorities for in in a large scale. They use fighter jets, they use bombs, and you know, every you just name it. They rape people. They um, they use Chinese soldiers, All of it. So we clearly know who we are dealing with, you know, what we're going to face. So we got a lot of warnings from different people that the military just should you, should you over. they got, they're not gonna, you know, follow the international standards or the um, international law or, you know, um, Geneva convention. They don't, Care. they don't care any of it so that's what we are seeing in, in this week what we are seeing exactly how they are who they are so for the first few weeks after the mass protests escalate they will just wait and see you know in the end they said they might think um, people would just you know get tired of dealing protests and so on but and then they realized no we're not stopping we're not even stopping for a day the daily protests get its momentum and it's also widespread Everybody got aware of it, and also international community um, pressures keep going, and all these things. And then they eventually use live ammunition—the not just water canoe and all that stuff. You know, actually, they've been killing people since the facts week. You know, um, uh, after 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 the protests happened, so it's not um, strange for us. They will use these live ammunition. We all of us out on the street, we have expected that.
0: Alright, on that note, we do need to go for a very quick break. We are speaking with Tinza Shunlei, a Burmese pro-democracy activist and human rights defender. And we are discussing the ongoing protests that are going on in Myanmar against the violent military regime, which has taken over the car- uh, the country undemocratically, right? So you have if you have any thoughts, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can also WhatsApp us 18 We'll be back in a bit with Tinza Shunlei on The Daily Digest, on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. 9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Dashan Johan, and with me in the studios Julia Jacobs and Hezrael Ashraf. And joining us on Zoom is Tinza Lei, a Burmese pro-democracy activist and human rights defender. And we are talking about the protests that are currently going on in Myanmar against the violent military regime which has taken over the country undemocratically.
2: Yep. And uh, before the break Tinza uh, started speaking to us about the new special parliamentary committee that's been uh, formed in Myanmar and that uh you know how they've gone on to classify the military regime as a terrorist organization she also touched a little bit about the on. she touched a uh, on the escalation of violence by the military over the past couple of weeks uh Tinsar thanks for staying on the line with us now uh we've seen some uh, tweets by activists in Myanmar saying that the military isn't just beating and dragging protesters around which is terrible enough as it is uh but they're also sexually harassing and groping women protesters you know what? Can you tell us about this?
3: We have received different complaints against the military that uh, those who are detained, being sexually harassed, are so um, threatened. Like um, there is a group of young women; they were um, they were detained by the military, and the military just you know that that soldier just threatened, and I can just rape you out there. You know, just shut up yourself. So those kind of threats. Actually, it's not it's not a new thing. You know, the ethnic women in Myanmar uh, for so many years they have se- severely um, faced similar atrocities, similar accounts by the same army. You know, same soldier because these soldiers were trained that way. This these soja were brainwashed in such a way. Also, Myanmar itself is a conservative country as well as the military. Um, try this, which is the powerful institution in the country. Also, um, is a patriarchal uh, institution. So they they always they always think of women as the less powerful. You know, they look up those with the big weapons and the country with. Um, with bigger manpower like Russia and China, they always look at these powerful nations. So um, women become their victims. Women are easily for them, you know, used as um, as a tool, as a sheaf um, to cover up uh, everything. So no wonders we might be likely to hear more of those complaints against uh, sexual harassment of, of all these, you know, in the coming days as well. Um, so people sometimes just ask for proof like evidence where are the evidence actually we don't really need evidence they already have proved themselves for so many years they have killed people so they can eventually rape a woman yeah
1: and what about journalists and activists um what kinds of challenges are you facing and also we know that the internet is being closely monitored by the military um sometimes it's being completely cut off so actually how are you talking to us right now
3: um, the internet is there, but they have banned Twitter and Facebook, so we use VPN applications to override this, and so we can stay access Twitter and Facebook via that. Um, but uh, we're not sure how long that could be. They can just cut all the connectivity, you know, internet or phone line. So when they cut the internet, we still have phone line, so we can stay communicate through phone lines. Um, I can stay a sub interview through phone line. So if they cut the phone line, if they cut the connectivity or the internet. Then there is no way out, you know, to um to get out of our what our situations. Um. So. It's not. It's not. Also, it's not a new thing as well because in the ethnic minorities area, for example, in Oregon state in the western part, they cut the internet for over a year. It's the world's longest internet shutdown ever in the histories and they did it when they staged a coup in first february and again 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 now we are still experiencing digital curfew every every day from 1 a.m to 9 a.m so we can't connect anything anything happening within that um, period cannot be reported to any of, you know, media when we are sleeping, anything can happen. And so for myself, um, you know, living in that country with was longer civil war for so many years, I'm kind of, you know, expecting anything could happen to us. And I've been relocating um, many times before the coup and you know why especially when, when the COVID situation happened we all were locked down here we can not even flee or fly out of country and um, even when you move to some township or other other place you will be in- investigated not by the police but by the residents because they are fearful of the COVID infection or all stuff right so we have witnessed we have experienced this for the last whole year so kind of this situation trained us to be more persistent and resilient. And now with the coup, you know, we are risking our life, not just a security concern, but actual life on the streets. And yeah, I'm, I'm asking what, what what would be the worst thing than that? I think we have to, we have no option. We just have to live through with us and make sure we are resistant on a daily basis.
0: Tinza, do you get a sense of what the military's plan is exactly? Because after the coup, they announced that they are going to remain in power for 12 months. But when I spoke to another activist in February, uh, Hong Kong Myat, he said that it's highly unlikely that the military will keep their word. He's also told me that the military regime has a lot of stake in big businesses in the country, including telecommunications. So if they're cutting off the internet and facing sanctions, wouldn't their businesses suffer as well?
3: I guess military was not that prepared to um, or expecting that lot sl- that scared of resistance back to us to them. Um, I, I I guess they just wrongly calculated uh, the situation. Like they were proudly saying that NLD is not popular anymore, and NLD even being opposed by um, even minorities parties, and you know because um, NLD being the biggest. Party, giant party, and um, also NLD make some round poor decisions over the ethnic minority. So I think even, even Miao Lai used um, a, a no vote campaign as an excuse, you know, of their coup. Like there were no vote campaigns by the student union leaders because um they don't like NLD and they don't like the 2008 constitution, so they didn't vote. So Miao Lai and their military just roundly calculated. Okay, NLD is not popular anymore. If they could, they would be supported. But what they didn't understand is nothing could justify this kind of bullying nature. Even we, we are not supporting NLD. the ruling party, but we're not supporting military either. Military is our common enemy for so many years, so many long, we can't forget and forget what they have done to us, to our people. And, you know, in the past few decades and so on. So I think um what we are witnessing, I think the military were just, you know, um would just um adapt themselves in such a way, you know, they would not go back down or they would just, you know, um surrender, like I can't rule anymore. I just this is not in their history. So as as I have clearly stated, it's a patriarchal institution. They have that kind of men manhood, you know, that manhood mindset it's like um they won't be back down you know if sanction put on they will say i'm gonna live with a few friends um i don't care sanction, all these stuff but um it's such a narrow-minded you know uh, mindset and they already prove who they are how they think for so many years for so for so long so i think um what we are expecting is that um um, we cannot overthrow the military with um, with the similar scale that they have imposed on us, so we are also pushing for the nld to form um, um, to co- to cooperate with the m s army and ethnic um, organization to ensure we can show our true power so that they will be intimidated in the end they will have to surrender because they have no other option left. So um, more like, uh, we need more pressure. And these pressure will eventually hurt us too, but we don't care, we have decided. This is a game over, game over set for them.
2: Right, And these protests, you know, have been inspiring, uh, to say the least, to hear about, to read about. And, you know, what changes are you hoping to see at the end of all of this? You know, of course, on one hand, uh, you know, the people want this military dictatorship to end and for democracy to be restored. Uh, but on the other, Myanmar was facing a lot of problems regarding democracy and human rights, even before this military coup happened. And, uh, you know, the current constitution has been seen as a little problematic. And Aung San Suu Kyi herself, you know, once a, a revered, respected figure, has in many ways endorsed the genocide of Rohingya Muslims.
3: I, I guess on the first few weeks, it was more like um, anti-coup anti-coup protests, you know, that we don't like what well, you have to just... Um, just give us back the previous situation, all these stuff. But after a, a long um, protest and all this stuff, and now we are kind of getting into agreement that it's not anymore an anti-coup protest. It's more like a revolution. It's already an uprising, um, not just to restore the situation like before um, before the coup, but more like we are all marching for a, a, a clear, dedicated, you know, um, a goal that which is um, federal democratic nations. So um, including myself, this is the message, and this is the advocacy that I've been doing for so many years, and also ethnic minorities, especially um, those uh, those with the M's power and um, with the political you know, power, they are all saying and claiming the same thing. They are looking forward uh, to hear a kind of insurance from the ruling party that we are going to abolish the 2008 constitution. We're not getting back into that Anymore, and we're gonna be marching for a, a new federal, uh, democratic nation with a new constitution. So I think we are in the conjunction uh, in in this junction right now. Um, so it all depends on what NLD think, what is what they are going to do next. So NLD itself is also. Um, you know um uh suppressed by the military and that their leaders being detained so no decision no clear decision yet made by by their party that the, the the current demands are mainly to restore to recognize the 2020 election result and to restore the government just that so we are um we are looking forward we are also pressuring the ruling party to demand for a bigger picture not just for that election but also for everyone all of us So let's see how we're going to end up. But our main goal is already set since a long time ago, back in 1948-47, you know, we had a ban long peace agreement. Um, Since that time, we already have claimed that we're going to go for a federal democratic nation. But after the military coup and military dictatorship, we lost our track. So now we have to go back to where we were before, where all the ethnic minorities, you know, uh, towards the equal justice, um, uh, equal, equal um, society, uh, where justice and accountability is in place.
0: And what can the international community do to help? I mean, the Western world has started to place sanction, but what about ASEAN? Has ASEAN been helpful to the cause?
3: ASEAN institution is formed not just not for the people of the ASEAN region. As I understand, the institution is mainly to mainly for the security reason and economic reason, and security in the nation for nations, for the government, not for the people. So that's what I understand. So um, as a, as an activist who's been working so actively in the ASEAN advocacy with the ASEAN secretarians and all these, you know, forums, uh, youth forum, people's forum, I don't have much hope with, from the ASEAN's government. So uh, what I've been saying, what I've been demanding is if you can't solve the problem, just don't add to that. So this is my main message. Because ASEAN now, um, they are sorry, but also at the same time they've been talking. it will not be working. You know, um, we're gonna push the government, we push the military to hold, uh, to organize the election again. I think we don't agree with any of it. Um, now we are working closely with the peoples of Southeast Asia to eventually overthrow all types of all kinds of dictatorship, not just in Myanmar but in the whole region. So be watch out, you know, um, we are coming for you. Um, If you can't solve the problem of Myanmar, Myanmar situation, just don't add to that.
1: I can think of no better way to end that conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Thinza. We are in solidarity with you. Um, that was Thinza Shunle yi a Burmese pro-democracy activist and human rights defender, and she was sharing her thoughts on the ongoing protests in Myanmar against the violent military regime, which have taken over the country undemocratically. Um, and, uh, you know, somebody sent in a message over on WhatsApp, Waiming, mm. uh, a mes- message to say that they studied in the UK from 93 to 97, and there were Many news about activists, uh, with activists talking about how ethnic women were being abused and raped in Myanmar, even back then, right? And mm. I'm happy to hear, he says that I'm ha- he or she says, I'm happy to hear this Myanmar activist is also acknowledging the genocide in Myanmar of the Rohingyas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just that, right? It's also the fact that she's so brave because we know that the military is monitoring their, yes. their yeah. internet. Yeah, yeah. I us. was
2: thinking that uh, when Juliet asked that question about how are you, you know, how she was communicating mm-hmm. with us in, us in the yeah. first yeah. place. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you know, a lot of inspiring stuff, and like Juliet said, you know, we are in solidarity with the people in Myanmar. But that's all the time we have for today's show. You, If you'd like to get in touch with us, The Bigger Picture crew, you can look us up on Facebook. Uh, we are BFM, The Bigger Picture. You can drop us a message there and you can just, con- con- if you have any thoughts, just continue to share that with us. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You can WhatsApp 18 789 And if you missed any part of the show, you can download the podcast. Uh, you can look us up bfm.my slash the daily digest. You can also download the BFM app or also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. Coming up at three PM on Live and Learn, it's Friday, which means it's another episode of Good Things. And has you'll be sticking mm-hmm. around to talk to someone about empowering Sabah's Indi- indigenous community.
2: That's right. So I will be speaking with a nineteen-year-old Ivan Avenos, who founded the Komuhakan movement, which aims to, you know, raise awareness on um, the Kadazan language as well as other languages of, of um, indigenous communities in Sabah. Uh, and uh, he'll I, so Komuhakan is also a word in Kadazan. So so he'll be telling us what that means uh, at 3 p.m. I, can't, on Good wait. I yep. can't wait to find out what <laughs> yeah. it means. And yep. that
0: is coming up after the 3 p.m. news. Once again, I'm Dashan Johan, alongside Julia Jacobs and Hezra Ashraf, And this has been the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to BFM.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.